Hello, everyone. Welcome to Just Jana, a podcast where each month I'll speak to a variety of industry leaders to bring you education, trends, and relevant topics in franchising. I'm your host, Jana Bailey, CEO of FranNet. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Just Jana, powered by FranNet. Our podcast guest this session is Jim Canfield, a dear friend who I got to know when I first took the job with FranNet almost 16 years ago. So, Jim, we're not going to waste a lot of time. I'd like for you to introduce yourself to our audience today. Oh, thanks, Jana. Yeah, it's great to be with you today. Uh, I'm Jim Canfield. I'm author of CEO Tools 2.0, How to Think, Lead, and Manage Like a CEO. And I've led companies. I started my first company in my 20s, a trucking company. We built it up and sold it. Subsequently built an investment banking company, which we also sold. And then I spent the next 25 years in one capacity or another, helping CEOs run their businesses more effectively or efficiently. And I've had the good fortune to work with Jana and her team on a number of occasions and really, really pleased to be here today. Well, Jim, thanks so much. Now, for our audience that maybe the first time they've heard CEO Tools, would you tell us a little bit more about the company and then the mission of CEO Tools? Yeah, CEO Tools by Aprio is the full name. Uh, I'm a part of a large advisory group based in Atlanta, Georgia. And we have about 200 million in revenues and 750 employees, and everyone's focused on one thing, and that's helping business owners run their businesses better and, and frankly, get more of what they want out of the business and less of what they don't want. And my purpose in building CEO tools, both as a book and as its related platform, is to help uh, really CEOs and their teams do just that. You know, Jana, what I found is after hundreds of interviews with CEOs, and asking them what they would like to have more of from the business, the vast majority told me three things. I'd like to have a business that is more successful, it has growing revenues, and is more profitable. I'd like a business that's easier to run, like get me out of the middle of everything. And number three, give me some more time. Buy me back some time that I thought I would have as a leader in a business that I'm finding the business is soaking up. So really, the the point of the book was to write about seven steps, seven areas, that if businesses focus in these areas, they perform better than if they're just figuring out every day, maybe on their own or just winging it. And the seven areas fall into three main categories that are really easy to remember if you're running a business because they correlate with the, the words CEO. And in this case, CEO is not a title, but an acronym for communicate, execute, and optimize. And that's what we talk a lot about. What, do we, what message needs to be sent across to the organization? How do we fundamentally execute to deliver results? And optimize is just my way of saying, how do we keep it all going so that it perpetually leads us to additional reliable results over time? Fantastic. Well, now, in addition to the book and in addition to you speaking around the country, you all actually offer services to help CEOs. Is that correct? We do. I, I, I work with some clients directly, and then I have a team of about 12 other coaches if, if, um, if they're closer or can serve those needs of a client better. And we'll come in and help a client with just initial planning, 
for a day or two, or we'll stay involved for an entire year where we go back and meet with the CEO and the team every quarter just to hold them accountable for the commitments they've made and to introduce new tools as we go along. Fantastic. So you and I have talked about this for many years, the importance of continual learning. How important do you think that is for those of us in the franchise industry? Because, I mean, after all, you know, we're in the franchise industry and we all know everything about the industry, right? So why do we need this continual learning commitment? Yeah, it's interesting. I think it's because the situations that we find ourselves in are ever evolving. And it's really interesting. I, I think sometimes the learning we need is, in fact, about our business or the, the industry we're in. But what I'm noticing more than anything else, Jana, is the role of leadership is evolving over time. And I think that's where that additional learning can really help and maybe even additional training can help is how do we continue to be better leaders? And I like to think of leadership in three categories. I like to think about classic leadership, modern leadership, and then emerging leadership. You know, when I think about classic leadership, it's probably what you and I learned early on, how to make good decisions how to implement those decisions, how to hold people accountable. How do we manage our team and our people? Today, those are just, I, I would call it like entry-level stakes, right? Mm -hmm. How do we ante up? Because then we get to modern leadership, emotional intelligence, collaboration, eliciting creativity, you know, really building a team that is interdependent and works well together. And then the new and emerging characteristics of leadership, how do we be more inclusive? How do we create more diverse thought among our team? And how do we think about being more conscious, either socially conscious or community conscious, even corporately conscious of the impact that we're having in our communities and in the world overall? You know, today, I think all of these three areas are needed and necessary to really perform at high levels. And I'm not sure that all of us have been as well informed about these different leadership characteristics as we might be. Excellent points. Yeah, sometimes it feels like, you know, we just have to get out there and roll up our sleeves and commit to learning something new on a regular basis to stay current. Absolutely. Uh, and you pointed out some excellent, excellent areas of growth that many of us may need. Any trends that you've seen with business ownership this past year or, I guess, pre and past COVID? It has impacted so many businesses in so many different ways. So what trends are you seeing? Well, you know, you can't go very far today without someone referencing the article that I think we've all come to know. And I wish I could say and love. I think maybe know and hate <laughs> is the article about the great resignation. And mm you know, that says that more than 50% of our employees are thinking about leaving. And if you really get past the headlines and look underneath, what we find is it's all about engagement. And the employee's level of engagement will dictate their predisposition to stay. The more right. engaged I am, the less likely I am to leave. And the more money it would take someone else offering me to leave. The lower my level of engagement, the more likely I am to go. So something we've known for a long time and now is what I would say a trend that has moved from nice to have to need to have to it's no longer an option not to have are ongoing levels of engagement programmatically built into the organization to keep people apprised of where we're headed, how we're going to get there so that they understand where the direct, where the organization is headed. 
a culture of the organization that embraces the contributions of everyone in it with ongoing recognition, rewards, and appreciation, and frankly, making sure that our, comp our compensation is up to market. And I think for too long on compensation, we've thought about being equal to the average of the marketplace. Today, I think if you're looking at your best players, you better make sure that you're, that you're aware of what the very best are being paid for this position, because it's likely that while you might be interested in paying the average, someone else might see one of your people as a real asset and be willing to pay the top of the scale. Interesting. You know, and the, the article you referenced, I actually was just interviewed or asked to submit something in writing about our reflections on the last couple of years. And I referenced that article in the way that, Jim, I don't think for franchise franchisors that were looking to bring on new franchisees as a result of this great resignation, it has panned out in the way we had hoped. I have seen it's more of an impact on the entry level, lower level employees, the workers, you know, at our fast food, at our service based um, type brands. Our franchisees in those businesses have been hurt dramatically, but it doesn't feel like the great resignation was as across the different types of jobs and levels of jobs that we expected. Are you seeing that as well? You know, I think it varies a lot by market and by industry. Okay. And and I don't think it's necessarily at the, at the top, like where that may be what you're what you're alluding to. But I am seeing a lot of um, activity, let's call it, in what I would call the upper mid-level managers. Okay. Uh, you know, ones that we probably in the past would have called our hypos or high potential managers. Those ones that they're not they really there for us yet, but we are counting on them to take those spots in the future. I see a lot of activity. Those are getting poached by, by competitors a lot across the board. Now, that probably doesn't translate into more franchise ease, but I am right. seeing that happen. You know, I think, the, I think where I would speak to franchisors about this is, I think this is one of those trends that franchisees that, that are part of their organizations might be slow to respond to. And, you know, I, look, as when I was a franchisor, I was always looking for ways to add value, particularly to my high, my most high producing franchisees. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was always hard to do that. I think this is a real area where franchisors could step in with some programmatic um, additions to their system that would help their individual franchisees deliver that really excellent reward system inside their individual units. Because I think that's ultimately people want to know, is the work that I contribute meaningful? You know, do people recognize it? Am I getting ongoing appreciation, recognition, and rewards for the work that I do and the contribution I make? Um, about This was right before COVID, but I think this is a good indicator because we're not seeing the effects of COVID when this, when this uh, survey was taken. This was by the uh, associate, no, uh, the OC Tanner company, who's a very large HR consulting company. And they asked high performers, people who were good at what they did and made a nice contribution to the organization, who voluntarily left their work, why'd they go? 85% of those surveyed said they left because they didn't get the recognition they thought they deserved for the contribution that they made. 85%. Wow. Pay was third. It wasn't even close. 
And oftentimes we think it's because of pay. So it, I think it's really important that we make sure they're getting this ongoing recognition. Almost 60% of the people who said they left said in the last year they, they were there, they didn't feel like they got one word of recognition for the contribution that they made. So I think that there could be ways that organizations could put together programs that could be implemented in each of their units that were ongoing recognition systems. You know, look, let's think beyond the employee of the month plaque because you and I have been to too many locations where those were, let's just call it out of date. Exactly. You know, what are ways that we recognize, particularly our best contributors, in ways that have them think, I'm really glad I'm a part of this team, a part of this group, a part of this organization. And making them feel valued and appreciated yep. is a big part of management's responsibility. Yep. Well, Jim, a little bit harder question here. Might take you a minute. <laughs> what advice do you have for someone looking to become a business owner? Yeah, that is a tough one. Um, you know, I always say, consider what your skills are, consider what the role is, and decide whether you have an, the energy to make it through the initial stages. Look, I find that there are a lot of people who can look at a successful business and say, you know, I'd be good at running that type of business. And you can, you can give me an example of just about everyone. And someone is looking at that business going, I'd be great running a business like that. The question is, are you good at building a business like that? Mm. You know, it's the decisions, choices, and the energy that are required in those early stages that I think people often underestimate. The way I like to look at it is getting a new business started, whether it's a brand new startup or a franchise operation, it's, it's really the same, is a lot like when NASA puts a rocket or a satellite or, a, or the space shuttle into space. You know, we've all seen the video from Cape Canaveral where that Rocket is on the launch pad and the countdown occurs and then all of the smoke, flames and vibration occur as that rocket moves into space. Here's what I find really interesting. When you think about the space shuttle, do you know how far that rocket actually carries that shuttle before it releases it? It's 150 miles. Now think about that for a second. In a journey that probably you'll make up hundreds of thousands, sometimes a million miles. The vast majority of the energy is just to get that shuttle the first 150 miles into the air. Wow. And I think it's the same thing with the starting up a company. It, that's That rocket ship that's got to get you off the ground takes a ton of energy, an enormous amount of effort, so that you can get to that stage that we all hope to find, which is that easy orbit of a, of a successful company that runs virtually autonomously with only the leadership and management of a few people at the top to keep it going. Mm -hmm. But they underestimate the amount of energy it's going to take to get it launched. So what I always, my advice is make sure that you're building that into your, into your uh, plans, that you have the time allocated, the energy in place and the will to make it happen. Or I think it could be lead to failure otherwise. Good points. Um, you know, my banking background, as you're well aware of, so many young companies are you know, starting out that that entrepreneur underestimates that launch phase and underestimates what's needed. And we see that with franchisees as well, yep. where they come in and 
yes, there's a lot laid out for them and spelled out, but they still have to put in all that extra effort in those first few years and getting that unit up and operational. I agree. And, you know, Jan, with so many of the units now being uh, semi-absentee, they assume that that means in the early stages, they'll be able to be semi-absentee also. And they underestimate the energy still required to get those early stage businesses off the ground, even if you're not the one actually doing the day-to-day work. I couldn't agree more. I often say, you know, a business may be semi-absentee in time, yes. <laughs> but I've not found that one that you can start out semi-absentee. Nobody's going to take care of your money and your investment like you will. And right. you need to understand everything it's going to take to operate that business successfully if you intend to manage someone to do that for you. I agree. So there's a lot of things for people to think about. Well, as usual, we're usually on the same wavelength, Jim. (laughs) Any closing comments for the group? Um, Anything that you would just throw out there as they're as these CEOs that are looking at 2022 or those on the sidelines saying, should I do it? Look, there's something that I advise every CEO, Jana, and I think this year it is more than more important than ever. And that is a simple message that every leader, CEOs and senior leaders must get across to the organization over and over and over. It's a very simple three-part message, but it must be delivered consistently and over time. And that message is, here's where we're headed. Here's how we're going to get there. And here's what we're tracking to know when we're on and off track. Now, it's a very simple message, but in its essence, if I can get that across, then I'll start to have people engage with me. And if I can have people aligned and engaged, we'll get better results. And if I can keep that message simple and I repeat it over time, people people will begin in the organization that work with and for us will start to realize that this is where we're headed, how we're going to get there and what we're tracking. And I would keep that what we're tracking down to three or five metrics so that they hear the same important metrics over and over, and they'll begin to align behind that message and then deliver great results. I am writing this down as you speak. I think that's critical for all of us. Keep the messaging simple and people plugged into what you're doing and Keep the tracking simple as well. That way we know we're all on the same page. Jim, that's you know, awesome. You know, Jana, I think we get tired of saying it long before it has its desired effect. And just remembering that one of the key tenants inside of marketing and sales is repetition of message. And mm. it's no different in leadership. We've got to keep that message on point and keep delivering it over time. Look, everybody that shows up, they want to know, number one, where are we headed? Otherwise, their work has no context. And then how are we going to get there gives them the steps to take. People, in, if they're clear about that, they feel empowered to take action. See, when, when people have doubts, doubts breed questions. Doubt breeds hesitation. Clarity breeds action. And then if we have a handful of metrics, what that does for me as a leader is I'm no longer managing and speaking to activities. You know, did you do it? Are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? Let me know when you get it done. You know, that's not accountability. That's just high-class nagging. I want to measure the metrics, just a handful of metrics that says, are we on track or off track? If we're off track, how do we get back on track? If we're on track, how do we stay ahead? Now I'm managing to a high level. And I expect that my managers and leaders will step in behind and find those solutions and new methods to make to get us the results that we're looking for. Fantastic. 
Jim, as always, you're a wealth of knowledge, and I love having you a guest as a guest on this podcast. And I know our audience will enjoy your contributions. If someone wants to get in touch with you, how would they do that, Jim? Yep, it's easy. Our website's pretty simple, ceotools.com. But for your audience, Jana, they could each uh, reach out directly by email. It's pretty simple, jim.canfield at ceotools.com. And if, when in doubt, reach out to me and I'll do a personal introduction Mm -hmm. to Jim. I'll be happy to do that. So, Jim, thank you for your time. And to everyone that is listening to our podcast, we appreciate the time that you invest to catch up with us. I look forward to seeing you all on the next session of Just Jam.